Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it is my great pleasure to have Martin Chesler on the show. Welcome, Martin. Hey, thanks for having me. He is a senior account executive at Trip Actions, and they are a corporate, I'm sure you probably know who they are, but they are a corporate travel and expense management platform. The way I found Martin was I asked the CRO, who has been a previous guest on the show, Rich Liu, uh, about who his top reps were, and Martin is one of the names he gave me. So that is how Martin got here. So congrats, Martin, on your success at Trip Actions. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And, and just a little quick sales tip for everyone. Have a really unique name. It's easy for people to find you on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got three E's in my name. So that either helps or hurts me to be found on LinkedIn. But the unique name, you have a both unique first name and last name. So that, that definitely does help. Well, we're going to talk about you know best practices for being an effective rep. Martin also has had some incredible sales leaders that he has had the privilege of working for. So we'll talk a little bit about what makes those people great from the perspective of, of the rep, which is a perspective that we have not had before on the show. Before we do that, I've, I wound the clock back to the question I originally asked when we started the podcast, which was to talk a little bit about the first thing that you ever remember selling. Yeah. When I was growing up, both of my parents worked. So you know, when I was really little growing up, we had, we'll call her a nanny. And she was from Mexico and she would sell cascarones, which are hollowed out eggs. And then you put confetti in them and you decorate the outside. It's a really fun tradition in, in San Antonio. One day, you know, she, she brought a bunch over and I said, hey, in the neighborhood, me and my brother are pretty cute. I think we would have a better chance of selling them than you. If you give me 25 cents of every box, I'll go around to the neighborhoods, to my neighbors and sell them. That was my first official sale, cascarones. I've been talking to reps lately about other reps that they've worked with and then some of the unique things about them. And we will talk about that with you, but I, I'd like to start in the, in the reverse order because I, I don't think we have ever had the rep perspective on what makes a great manager, which is could be very different on what managers think makes a great manager. You've worked at a, a bunch of impressive places, obviously Trip Actions, Yelp before that, and a few other, uh, few other places too. Maybe reflect on one or two of the folks that were absolutely instrumental in, in developing you and what it was that they did. I, I think I'll, I'll start with the most recent. In my latest role, I'm, I'm selling our expense platform and it's, it's a newer product for us. And so typically when you have a newer product, there's a lot of education that goes on in the market first. It's typically a little bit more difficult to sell, whereas if you're selling the travel side now, it's been around for six years. It's, it's top performer in the market. It's a lot easier. There's a lot more recognition. I was just having a conversation with someone about sort of blue ocean selling where people don't know the product at all. Uh, red ocean selling where it's a commodity, everyone needs it, and all the sharks are in the water trying, trying to sell. This, I guess, is somewhere in the middle, which is people are aware of and need expense platforms. They just don't know that Trip Actions is a leading provider in the space. Exactly right. Yes. You know, if you think of an expense platform, you're thinking concur, you're thinking expensify. And we've done something very interesting in the space. Um, and that is to automate a lot of the manual work that goes along with expense management when you have to file an expense report. You know, typically that's a time consuming and, and typically not really a fun process. With our technology, we've actually eliminated the need for expense reports. It's a really, really fun product to sell. But, you know, if you go to a CFO and you say, hey, you're not going to have expense reports anymore. Typically, there's kind of a moment where they're like, uh, 
okay, well, I need expense reports. I need visibility. Um, and so that's where the, the real selling starts. And so when I joined this team, I actually got to work with one of our, you know, one of the earliest people at Trip Actions, and she's been absolutely instrumental in my growth personally as a salesperson. I think I came in with, if, if you ask Rich, he'd probably describe it as like a lot of natural talent, but not necessarily enough the sales acumen that you need when closing larger, more complicated deals. And Lizzie Rouleau, who is now my senior director, she's the head of liquid sales. She was originally my, my line manager, if you will. She really broke down my process and gave me really direct, candid feedback after every call. And she'd say, hey, this is where you're doing well. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about X, Y, and Z. She allowed me to kind of zoom out from what I was doing and, you know, building rapport. Those types of things come naturally to me, whereas the checking in, trial closing, making sure that I'm setting timelines, working back from those, those are the things that, that she really dug in on. And I, I found it a pleasure to work with because I've had managers in the past that kind of suggest things and, you know, they don't want to upset some of their top reps. So they're not as candid. And I think one of the, the best attributes to me of, of a manager and of a sales leader is to be able to, to say it how it is, you know, do it thoughtfully, but get the information that we need out so that we can act on it. Um, and that's something that Lizzie has done better than anyone I've ever worked with. And it's, it's been a, a huge help in my career. Um, I've mentioned this book on the show before, but there's a book called Radical Candor by Kim Scott Malone. And that book talks about the fact that great managers both care deeply and challenge directly. And a lot of managers, it's just human beings, right? We, we naturally, unless you're a psychopath, <laughs> care deeply, but the challenging directly doesn't come naturally to us. And when you, when you care deeply, but you fail to challenge directly, you're in the quadrant that she describes as ruinous empathy. It's unfortunately rare that managers will like challenge you directly. I'm curious, you know, you said that she really broke down, you know, she'd listen to the calls, break down the calls, Call recording is now fairly ubiquitous. I find a lot of managers don't actually, like there's a lot of recordings that never get listened to by anybody. Is that your experience too, that like not all managers actually do that work? Absolutely. You know, maybe I'm wrong in saying this and, and fair play, but I feel that the manager title a lot of times is thought of by reps as like, you know, doing sales work is really, really, really hard. Once I become a manager, I don't have to do some of that hard work as much, right? I can just kind of do the fun parts of the job. And our current CRO, Carlos De La Torre, who's you know, kind of a legend in sales and has been around a, a really long time and has had a ton of success, taking multiple companies public, et cetera. He's always said, hey, first line managers are the most important part of an organization. And that was kind of the first time I'd heard that. I always thought that the top reps were. Once he said it and I had a manager like Lizzie, it, it made me realize why they're so important because her impact that she had on me, you know, I can be a self-sufficient rep now and produce at a really high number for the company. Whereas if you had had a different manager, you know, I'd, I'd hit my number and I'd be fine. But would I be a leader? Would I be able to actually unpack my process and teach other people my process? Probably not because I wouldn't even know what my process was. I feel like there's typically good, if not great, enablement for individual reps. But then, yeah, when when a lot of the problem a lot of companies have is that there's not a lot of systematic knowledge and process discipline and training for the first line manager. You just, they get asked, what's the forecast? How's the pipeline, right? By their by their bosses, but the, the middle managers, the RVPs or what, what have you, a big part of their job that 
I think a lot are not doing is holding first line managers accountable to do the things like listen to calls and and truly coach the reps and not just be a a desk jockey looking at dashboards. Yep, you're you're exactly right. You know, another person, if if I can, if Lizzie listens to this, thank you, Lizzie, for everything that you've done for me. And you know, another person who you had already mentioned at the beginning of the call who referred me to this call was was Rich Liu, who has always been someone that I've looked up to more and honestly like a mentorship capacity. He's like a really, really incredible person and, and someone who I've learned a lot from. And when I had first become an AE at Trip Actions, I actually had heard about this expense product and I was begging everyone internally, please let me get involved with this. I, you know, I promise it'll be good. You know, it's going to be great. But I just didn't have as much experience as a lot of the other people who are buying for the job. And Rich really took a chance on me and hired me being the least experienced of all of the AEs who got hired for this new role. I think he would tell you I, I repaid his, uh, his faith in me. But, you know, I think you also need leaders who are not afraid to step outside of what might be conventional wisdom. It's like, oh, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z have more experience. Maybe they're a little bit older. You know, maybe they have something else kind of that's, a, that's on paper. But a really good manager and leader is able to look at some stuff that's off paper. You know, Rich has been able to do that and he can give opportunities to people that, again, maybe on paper, someone's more qualified, but based off of your experience with them, you might see something that, that warrants an opportunity. Um, and being able to grant those people opportunities can pay off in a major way for companies at, at scale, I believe. Giving you permission to not be humble, uh, giving you permission to brag, what do you think the not on paper thing was that compelled Rich to give you the opportunity? That's a really good question. Two things that can make someone a really good salesperson outside of just sales acumen. I think one is a product, right? You have to have a product team, an engineering team, a design team that builds something that both looks and operates in a way that is truly disruptive and, and easy to use. And the other part, I think you have to really like that product and, and really understand it. And I think because this was such a new product and because it, it honestly is very revolutionary in the space and that no one else is doing it this way, you need people who really see that and who really understand it. And I think there were some people who, when we started the team, actually struggled a little bit because it was so different. I think I was able to succeed because I understood it at such an early stage. Not that I'm a genius or anything. I just understood what we were trying to do with the product. I understood what it was disrupting um, and I understood the pain that, that people felt and the reason that it needed disrupting. So, you know, one, it's an incredible product that was built by some of the smartest people I've ever met. And on top of that, I really, really love the product. He sensed that, hey, this guy actually really, <laughs> he's really into this. Whereas I think some other people are doing this more out of like a career opportunity, which is totally fine, by the way. It's risk reward also, though. And, and I'm, I'm totally with you on the love of the product. I spend more than or 50% of my waking life working. And it, is there meaning in this work? I had grappled with that in different employers over time. And basically, I would sell the product to a friend or a family member and feel like I was being helpful to them. I'm not curing world hunger. You know, I'm not curing COVID. I can wake up and be passionate every day about, you know, something like that. Especially when people are just graduating from college and starting in sales, the idea of being really passionate about a product that someone else has built and you're selling probably sounds a little bit foreign or maybe even not authentic. But I can honestly tell you, you know, having sold something like I did at Yelp, which is digital ads, which Yelp is an awesome platform, but 
the product itself didn't excite me all that much. Whereas here, I feel the disruption and the innovation on a monthly basis. We're releasing new features and new products. It really kind of keeps me energized and, and gets, me, uh, gets me excited to sell it. At Yelp, the culture is very interesting because it's like 4,000 people like right out of college, right? Like the managers are a year or two older than you. There aren't a lot of, you know, quote unquote adults in the room, if you will. And so it was interesting because there weren't so many people that I looked up to, rather people that I competed with that became friends of mine. I'll give you one, for example, she, she's at Google now, her name is Zanat, um, and we would kind of always go back and forth in New York office, one and two, two and three, you know, kind of back and forth, back and forth. And at first, you know, you have an office of a thousand people, so it's very easy not to have met someone. And when I hadn't met her yet, I was kind of like, you know, I don't like her, I'm, I'm better than her, she doesn't know. And then, you know, one day we kind of sat down and like had this conversation where we basically said, hey, you know, I know you, you know me, but we've never actually met. And she's one of my good friends now. So it, it was an interesting culture in that I felt like it wasn't so much people that I was learning from as much as I was competing with and kind of taking things from them and they were kind of taking things from me. I mean, I think there was a mindset early, early in the sales career that you are competing with your team members. There's this eye-opening thing that I know actually we're competing with other digital ad sellers or we're competing with no decision. and you and she can actually help each other and share best practices. That, that's a great way of kind of summarizing it, I would say. I think the lesson that I took out of that two and a half years was, hey, you know, Zanat is not your enemy. You can actually learn a lot from Zanat and she can learn from you and you guys can have a really cool friendship and you can motivate and push each other to continue to improve. What I was really excited about when I moved to Trip Atkins is I felt like there were a lot of people who had a lot more experience than me that I could learn directly from and kind of look up to as mentors. So you spent nearly three years at Yelp. You were working as a mid-market account executive. And then when you joined Trip Actions, you actually went back into a, a mid-market SDR role. I have seen that, by the way. And I, I typically see that when people go from like a smaller company into a bigger company, you went from a bigger company into a smaller company and made the reverse thing. So what was, what was that all about? It's funny. I think about this a lot and I always go back and forth with whether or not I made the right decision. I think I, think I did make the right decision because I wouldn't be where I was now if I didn't do that. But I had a lot of interviews when I left Yelp. I really wanted to find something that I was really passionate about. And that, and that takes time to find a company that, that you're really you know, invested in. And when I started my search, I had a lot of interviews for AE roles and I felt like I was missing something. Like there was a part of the product or a part of the culture that I wasn't quite capturing trying to slide into an AE role. And so I thought, let me, let me switch it up and let me interview for an SDR role. And when I interviewed it at Trip Actions for the SDR role, the VP of the New York office actually came from Yelp and he had heard of me. And he was like, you really, you know, I wouldn't recommend you be an SDR. I think you could go be a successful AE right now. And I said, you know, I totally hear you. I probably could be a successful AE, but I find that there's something to it to kind of build yourself up within an organization to really understand how do I source a meeting? You know, our CRO Carlos is huge on PG pipeline generation and being able to do that yourself to really be a self-sufficient rep. I'm lucky that, that he ended up coming in because that was something that I kind of was thinking about already. But I felt like I want to start as an SDR. I want to learn how to source meetings. I want to hear what the objections are 
when you first start talking to someone, you know, do people resonate with this product so that by the time I get to being an AE, I really understand the company culture. I really understand the product and I can go in and be a number one guy from day one. Looking back, I'd recommend to people always stretch yourself. So even if you, if you're an AE somewhere, like go try and be an AE somewhere else or even a position higher than you. I think we can always stretch ourselves more than, than we realize. And I think I had a little bit of imposter syndrome uh, at Yelp because I was like, this is digital ads. I'm selling a real SaaS product now and it's so different. It's, it's not as different as I thought it was. And so I think I probably could have. I want to be learning always in everything that I do. And, and I do think that probably played a, a factor in my decision to go with the SDR role rather than the AE role because I felt like, hey, maybe there's something that I'll be missing out on learning if I go straight into the AE role instead of the SDR role. So one quality that I've realized more and more that makes a good salesperson is curiosity and is that desire to, to be learning always. If you were interviewing somebody, whenever you ask people, what do you look for in a rep? They always talk about a virtue of some sort. Everyone can express those virtues. I'm always wondering, how do you test for things that are fairly obvious things, but how do you actually test for true curiosity? It's really hard, to be honest with you. I've been on the interview team, and so I've tried to perfect that. And I was interviewing from a different role, right? So I wasn't interviewing as a manager for someone on my team. I was on the team interviewing to make sure that people were culture fits and that, you know, if I picked up on anything, maybe that the manager didn't. And I found it really helpful to have conversations because I feel like curiosity comes out in a conversation more than it does like, hey, you know, do you have any questions for me? It's like, yeah, you have something scripted that you wrote down that, you know, you hope is going to be an impressive question. But I think it's a totally different matter when you're talking to someone and they're asking you really interesting questions and you're flowing back and forth. Who were you thinking about at Trip Actions that was coming to mind for you? There are two names in particular I'm, I'm thinking of. One was earlier on in my time at Trip Actions. She was the number one AE, by far the most revenue. So obviously your eyes kind of go that direction. But what I realized was it wasn't even so much his sales process that made him great. I still, to this day, I tell him all the time, I'm like, hey, I think you could really do you know, this and this better. But it's his product knowledge and industry knowledge more specifically. It makes him an expert on calls and prospects trust him. And he stays really in sync with them when they become customers. And he has really good relationships with all of them. I found it to be so cool that when he came on a call, he knew what a prospect was going to say before they actually said it. You know, he knows what the, the typical problems are. And when I say problems, I mean kind of pain points of the industry are. So when he's talking to a travel manager, he knows that they're worried about unused tickets or, you know, they're worried about how they're going to control whether or not an employee books a first class or an economy ticket, whatever those things are. But he knows what they're thinking about because he knows the industry and he knows our product. And so he's able to build a ton of trust with them on a first call where they realize, oh my God, this isn't some you know, 22 year old out of college working at a tech company. This is a travel expert that happens to work at a really innovative software company. And I think that was a big eye opener for me as to a really important part of sales that I don't think people talk about enough. I was talking to this, I was reading a book and talking to this very provocative sales consultant. And sometimes the consulting you know, ideas, they don't survive once the rubber hits the road. But one of his ideas, and it relates to this, was he was very anti-SDR, the way SDRs are operate today. And he he said, we should convert them all to researchers. And the researchers should 
do the research on who the good prospects are, cue them up, like stick them into your cadence, but then you press the trigger so that every single communication ever with the prospect doesn't come from the person who doesn't have the product and industry knowledge. Every communication comes from, you know, the AE who has that deeper depth of knowledge. You having been an SDR and now also being an AE, what do you think about that model where the SDRs is not emailing and calling, but they're just queuing things up for you? It's an interesting model. And we kind of did something like that a while ago where we felt like, hey, maybe if the communication comes from the AE, it might be a little bit better. I think there's probably some merit to it. I do feel like the SDR role isn't just one where it's about setting meetings for AEs. That, that's obviously the end goal, but you're also building your own internal sales force, right? I mean, a lot of the SDRs are going to go on, hopefully, to become AEs. And so I think if they're not doing those things themselves and they're just queuing up, they might be missing out on some of the, the really important learnings that come along with managing those conversations and, and actually doing it themselves. What are some of the things that you personally do, and I also add don't do, that make you effective in your role now? I am really, really, really hungry. <laughs> I joke all the time with people, but it's like, hey, you know, I'm starving out here. I'm, I'm not starving, but I operate in a way that is as if I am starving. And so, um, you know, if a prospect emails me at 2 a.m., like I will literally email them back in 30 seconds. So I, I really tried my absolute best to put prospects first and operate with that type of urgency always. And I think it's something that they really appreciate because, you know, CS always gets annoyed with me when, when I hand them off to CS, they are expecting them to respond with those response times. And they're like, Hey, that, you know, Martin's insane that that's probably not going to happen. But I, I think the other one being able to read people and to read scenarios is really, really important. And it's kind of one of those things that I don't know exactly how you teach it, but being able to, to read what a prospect is thinking based off of something you said, right? Maybe the conversation has turned a little bit. Maybe they're a little bit annoyed. Maybe they're really excited about something you said and being able to capitalize on that. So, you know, if they are really excited about something you said, if you can read them, then you can double down on that and you can kind of really go deeper on that and start asking those, you know, level two, level three questions, talking about deeper parts of the product there rather than spending time somewhere that they don't care as much about. Uh, well, if people do want to learn more about trip actions, get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I would give my cell phone number out, but my fiance would kill me. So we'll say <laughs> LinkedIn is fine. I think LinkedIn is fine. His uh, first name is actually spelled M-A-R-T-O-N uh, and then Chesler, C-H-E-S-L-E-R. Well, again, Martin, thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeremy. Hey, Salespeople is a production made in partnership with Frequency Media. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks for listening to the Hey, Salespeople podcast.